Talk Recorded live. Hi, everyone, and welcome to this January 22nd, 2015 edition of the Everything is Energy show. This is your host, Judy Greeno, here as always to talk about the AIM program of energetic balancing with its developer, Stephen Lewis. Stephen is also the co-author of Sanctuary, the Path to Consciousness, which chronicles decades of work in private practice that preceded the launch of the AIM program. Please, please, if you haven't yet read that or if it's been a while since you picked it back up, go get it. Again, it's still the best way to be reminded of our innate ability to self-heal and how all the different ways that AIM helps us do that 24-7. As we begin, we want to remind our listeners that AIM energetic balancing is not medicine or what we tend to think of as traditional health care, and it does not diagnose, treat, prevent, or cure disease. EMC Squared's holographic spiritual technology helps you heal energetic imbalances in consciousness where everything is created and where all true healing occurs. Only you can heal you and AIM assists you in doing so 24-7. Imbalances in consciousness are what EMC Squared believes to be the predispositions or potentials for eventual negative manifestation unless healed by you. Once healed from your consciousness, imbalances are gone for good can neither manifest nor be passed on to offspring, and that's what helps make you become the first in the history of your family with no family history. Just as every individual is unique, every AIM participant's healing experience is unique to them. When discussing energetic imbalances that have names that are the same as or that are similar to names of diseases, remember we work with and are talking only about energetic imbalances, not about actual diseases. The same is true when discussing what a given frequency is similar to. Again, we're referring to a frequency or frequencies a given imbalance is found to be similar to. Lastly, as we do not perform any physical tests of any kind, we cannot and do not confirm or dispute any medical diagnosis. Good morning, Stephen. Good morning. Good morning. Yeah, it's interesting to hear. Whenever you give that disclaimer... Mm-hmm. I think about it, and I find little different things to think about in it. That last line was, since we don't use any medical instruments, we can't confirm or deny any medical diagnosis. Mm-hmm. And that's absolutely true. And yep. uh, at the same time, uh, we work in a different area, different realm. We work with different energies completely. So we're not interested, really in the medical diagnosis because there is another world. There's an energetic diagnosis or not diagnosis, evaluation and energetic findings in consciousness, mm-hmm. which I think are critically important but are not medical disease frequencies. Right. And uh, so that being said, it's interesting. It, well, so, it is, and it's another one of those things that is always good to bring up every week. You know, People may be able to recite it to themselves, but, but it's good to take a few minutes out just to think about what we're saying because it's really, really important. Thank you for that. Yeah, it's been a busy week for me. You know, first of all, I think the important thing, let's deal with the most important things first mm-hmm. uh, and then cone down. Okay. The most important thing is most of the people I check now are uh, energetically uh, clear, pure, purinas, virgins. But I still find, but when I keep checking, I still find some imbalances. Uh, And I 
don't know where we left off last time. Do you know the number offhand? Yeah, you had um, uh, the last one we talked about, you had found, uh, I think, late in the day before, 8412. So we did discuss that and actually went on the trades last Wednesday the 14th. So I just, <clears throat> excuse me, Stephen, I show two added to the main AIM trays on Monday the 19th, and then we were notified we had one more on uh, Tuesday. So I'm only showing three. Is that what you've got? No, I found another one yesterday. That makes okay. it four. Okay, fair and, enough. And uh, I don't think I even gave it to Roberta yet. I found it late in the day yesterday. Okay. So I'll give it to her this morning, and I'll give it to you this morning. So that being said, let's get that out of the way. All right. But, but as I said, again, first things first, most people don't have any hereditary imbalance when I check them now. But nonetheless, since last Thursday, there have been four. So with that, first one is Rickettsial from an insect, and it is 84.22. And very simply, what is it like? Uh, it's most similar to trench fever. Trench fever is kind of weird in that it's considered a skin disease, and normally it is skin, but it's either in the feet usually or in the mouth. Hence, you have two conditions that are commonly that were common at one point in time, trench foot and trench mouth. Um, not too much I can say about that. You know, one time when I was a little kid, I, I was thinking about it. I went to the dentist and I had some problem with my gum. And the dentist said I had trench mouth. And he put some stuff on it and it went away. Um, I don't know much about it at all. Uh, but I do understand historically it was a very, very, very big deal. The trench comes from just that, trenches. I mean, they used to fight wars, but they used to sit in trenches. And that was, uh, and just sit there in the damp and, and, and the dirt. And they got all these things and all these lice and everything else. And that's what happened. Can you get the phone, honey? Okay, so anyway, it's most similar to trench fever, followed by B&B, low back, hip joint, spine, followed by polio, um, mostly in the legs, feet, and low back. So this is a, a pretty much of a, a musculoskeletal thing, and uh, or let's say... It was because I have it showing as it just left. On the 17th, what's today's date now? Yeah, you found, that's the one. You found it on Saturday, so the person you found it in um, had access to the balancing energies, their right. little home computer, and then it went on the main AIM trays on the 19th, Monday, two days later. Right. Um, that's the best I can do for that, just I can tell you. It is gone. Uh, it's gone in the person in whom I found it. Mm -hmm. But for those who have it and they and they're not on specifically, they're just in the AIM program. It should be gone now or tomorrow. That's you know that's that's the latest. And uh, and that's that. So let's see. That brings us to eighty four thirty two. 
Well, I do know about that one. Um, we might as well just call this Stephen or something. Uh, it is Rickettsial, insect, and two disease frequencies. Well, really, it's more than two, but it begins with uh, 8432, begins with Streptomaticus probioni. And I have never felt my fingers all better. My thumbs still hurt, and they still do. Which tells me there's more, because when there's nothing left, they're going to feel better. It's that simple. So it's like Streptomaticus and propioni, and it is also like twee. Twee, that's not so easy to trace because it can go almost anywhere. Uh, if you have a history of hereditary imbalances similar to twee, they'll probably be pretty much the same. But that doesn't mean it will be the same as the guy next to you who has it. So, because it's, it's syphilis. Mm -hmm. Syphilis is called the great imitator. It goes anywhere and does anything. And, uh, I mean, I don't even know how they used to diagnose it. Because there's no, there's, well, you can easily diagnose primary syphilis. Because there's a lesion right there, wherever it is, in the genitals, you know, in the mouth, anywhere. But once that's gone, then there's a rash, and once the rash is gone, it's all inside. How you would diagnose it, I have no idea, because they had no microscopes. Right. But it doesn't matter if that was their problem. We have our own problems now. But that's the end of 2432, which brings us to uh, 84.32, I meant, which brings us to 84.42. Now, 84.42, I found this in one person. As far as I know, it's still there. It was found on the 20th. Right. Mm -hmm. And 20th was what day? 20th was Tuesday. And it went on that same day. Mm -hmm. And was this, was this the one you said you found in the same person that you found eighty four twenty two in? And am I well, remember? yeah, but I didn't. Now I think I wasn't clear about that. I did find the person in whom I found eighty four forty two is the same person in whom I found eighty four twenty two. But okay. I didn't look for it. I didn't do a recheck on that person. Just after I found it. I remember that I had found it in this other, something like it, this other guy, and went back and looked. And yeah, he had both. Okay. And remember, in 84.42 as well as 84.22, the dominant uh, imbalance was, it was most similar to trench. Right. Okay. So being, that being said, 84.42 is, let's see something, I have a message here, okay, um, yeah, okay, well, 84.42 is most similar to trench, after that it's similar to mycobacterium ulcerans and tularemia, so ulcerans is respiratory, it's 
doubt, the worst of the TB frequencies. And tularemia, well, you can't miss it, you know. I mean, when you have hereditary tularemia, you have urinary frequency and urinary urgency. There is no question about it. So that basically is, let's see, that's it. That basically is um, the end of, I'm trying to do three things at once here, I shouldn't. The end of 84.42. Now, there is one more imbalance. I guess you don't have it. Maybe Roberta doesn't, because I found it late in the day yesterday. Okay. And that is, eighty, of course, 84.52. And 84.52 um, looks to be fairly strong. But I don't think it'll take too long to be gone, even though it is strong. Because I looked at I thought yesterday, this morning I checked, and it's moving very quickly. It is Rickettsial once again. And it is similar, first of all, this is kind of interesting. I checked it about a dozen times. You know, I always say strip aromaticus propioni, right? Mm-hmm. Have you ever heard me say just propioni without strip aromaticus? Uh, I'd have to look through the list on that, but I don't recall any of, off the top of my head. I haven't. Okay. Well, that's just changed. Hmm. It is most similar to propioni, which means it's a skin imbalance. And we'll see how that manifests. It is also similar to lymphatic syphilis. Lymphatic syphilis most often is in the lymph glands in the throat. And uh, the last thing it's similar to is cystic fibrosis. So all that being said, if you have this imbalance, you are not breathing real well. And it's true. I'm not. There it is. You mentioned propioni as the, the, the first thing uh, that it's the first frequency that it's similar to, Stephen. Do you uh, do you have anything going on with the with your skin, or are you expecting that as you do? Yeah, I got, I've got look, an itchy, rashy thing on my feet, and nothing dramatic to look at. But I keep telling Ali, "Honey, scratch my back, please. It itches." Mm. And I'm not someone who walks around always saying "scratch my back." It's just not, you know not part of my life. I know people who always say scratch my back, but that's not me. Right now I'm saying it, scratch my back, please. And uh, it itches. Uh, lymphatic syphilis, I can feel it in the glands in my throat. They're swollen. And, but they're swollen compared to the day before mm. I found this. Before, but the day before I found this, the glands my throat were probably smaller than they've ever been. Mm, okay. So historically, if you looked at me, you would say, well, your glands aren't very swollen at all. But they did swell up. Did you get that guy? What, honey? Well, sure, it's just, it's just like yours. 
Okay, I'm sorry for this. Um, where was I, Judy? You were uh, talking about, uh, I, I had asked about the skin part of this and what you were feeling. Well, yeah. Uh, I do have this skin thing, but the glands in my throat swelled up. I think mm-hmm. this is quick. It's going to be down very, very rapidly, okay. I can tell. And the last thing is cystic fibrosis. Um, I can feel it. I can feel my glands swell, my throat raw, mm-hmm. and it will be gone. I knew there was something in there. I knew there was something. It was, it's, you know, if I sit around, it's no big deal. But if I have to do anything, I find myself puffing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, for what? Walking up three stairs? So anyway, well, that's, I think, I think that's cystic fibrosis. And it'll be gone. Yeah, I think you mentioned that, that breathing difficulty in relation to some frequency a week or so ago, Stephen. So, um, I know well, that. I have had four, I've had three, four, four, five maybe cystic fibrosis like frequencies. Mm-hmm. Okay? Mm-hmm. I have never been positive for the frequency of cystic fibrosis. But I've had three, four, or five frequencies that are uh, most similar to. Right cystic fibrosis and I've had a history now and again of being short of breath mm-hmm. I say now and again because between times I mean I've run marathons I used to wake up every morning and run a 10k you know just go out the door at the beach in LA and go outside stretch a little bit and then take off and run my six miles on the beach three miles out three miles back so, but when suddenly I would have periodically difficulty breathing. Right. And, uh, and there'd be a reason for it. I mean, I've got a cold or a flu or whatever. But it was more profound than it was in other people who had the same flu. Which very simply means there's some weakness in there. And this is, mm-hmm. this is it. And... You know, when I look at stuff now, Judy, it's it's always there, and it's going to be gone. It'll be gone. Yeah. Who gives it that? I don't. But Mm -hmm. that's a luxury that we have that most people in the world do not have. Right. Um, On the other hand, be perfectly frank, we have it because we chose it. Mm Mm-hmm. So there it is. Uh, It's not entirely just luck, but luck is always a good thing. So, summing up the current state of affairs at the most primitive level, that is the end of what I have. There will still be a couple more, mm-hmm. I can tell. I mean, for example, there's going to be another strep. Right. And because my thumbs hurt. Mm-hmm. What else is there to say? Well, on but, that one, that 8432, um, I that just went on 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 the nineteenth. I think that's when you found it. So do you still have you still have that one that frequency? Um, no, I do not. Oh, okay, okay. But on the other hand, my thumbs still hurt. Sure. What do they want? Sure. Okay. Let me ask you something, Stephen. And this is just we've you've talked before with with regard to frequencies that have a component that's similar to the frequency of 
treponematosis and how that is basically endemic, uh, frequency, the frequency of endemic syphilis. So it can be anywhere. Um, despite our repeated attempts to, to not try to perfectly match something we're experiencing with a given frequency, it, it, it's, it, it's logical to look at the descriptions or listen to you. But when it comes to syphilis, because it can be anywhere, I, tripped, I was looking up something for a facilitator and this is a this is an ancient frequency. It's been on for years and years, but it was a frequency that was similar to syphilis of the eyes. So it just made me um, think that it's possible that that's from looking that's from looking at women and lusting. Go ahead. <laughs> I got no, I never would have guessed I was setting you up for something, but I should have known if the word syphilis was in there that that you would make that possible. But Absolutely. my my point is that when it comes to treponematosis can be anywhere. It's like a lot of these frequencies. If 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 you have a tendency to have a weakness in in the energetic orb of your eyes, that's you may have one of these frequencies, and it's impacting the energetic orb of the eyes, right? Well, perfectly frankly, apparently syphilis was a scourge at one point in time. It's still pretty common. Mm-hmm. Still pretty common. It isn't written about much. Um, but it's still out there. It's still pretty common. They still have a, a bureau in the public health department for syphilis. They it's still mandatory to report it and and all that. But you see, it's in a sense a contact disease. And right. where do you contact it? That's it keeps going deeper and deeper and deeper. But it still began somewhere. So if it's genital syphilis, there's usually and initially in the first stage. There's a lesion, you know, a sore right where you contact it. Mm-hmm. But that goes away after a little, a little while. Then you get a rash everywhere, anywhere in your body. It's in the bloodstream. Blood is everywhere. So you've lost your way of identifying it. And, and that's secondary. And tertiary syphilis is when it goes deep into the organs, the joints. And... Uh, it's in lymphatics. Now, when it was genital, usually the lymphatics in the groin will be very swollen. When it's oral, the lymphatics in the throat will be swollen. Um, but, you know, it can be in the eye. Um, and we, 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 we can speak of syphilis in the ear also, but, you know, Nothing got in the ear; it just spread to the ear. Right. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say it would be oral syphilis that spread there, but uh, it can be anywhere, and it spreads. So it's it's tough to figure out. Okay. As I've said a thousand times, I have no. Well, now that I, I look at, it, I find twee, which is treponematosis, which is known medically as endemic syphilis. I have no way of knowing whether or not what Hahnemann found to be so prevalent was indeed venereal syphilis or endemic. Right. Did people get it because it was just in the air, or did they get it doing the thing? And no, I'm not asking you because how you know. Hmm. Right. I mean, we don't know. Because when I test um, treponematosis, I also get the same frequency and the same positive as um, hereditary syphilis. 
And but treponematosus is, by definition, non-venereal. I don't want to make this program too technical, but right. it's interesting in its way. Yep. At least to me it is. I don't know about anyone else. Maybe everyone else hung up already. No, it's still with us. <clears throat> okay. So, um, anyway, now I told you what I know. What do you know? Well, um, I think before we started, you had you had something in mind, and then I told you I was tripping through some old notes, so so I had something to bring up. But you first. Um, no, I forget what I was thinking about then. It'll come to me. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll I'll start then with, with last week, and I know I know you've been a little bit bogged down with uh, with uh, the encephalitis components of frequencies lately but last week you had uh you talked about a, a a pretty interesting topic and how you wanted to devote uh some time you felt it was time to devote some uh, attention to enhancing frequencies in terms of um addressing this potential fear of life or inability to be part of life versus you know love of life anything to add there yeah, well that's a really important phenomenon Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, and here, especially in our Western world, right? Freud was speaking about fundamentally the failure of psychoanalysis, and yeah, it's easy to look at that and say the failure of it because you got a guy on a couch, you know, and you can spend twenty years sitting and talking about, you know, whatever comes to his mind, or you know what I mean, right? Or just or or not talking, they'll go. I'm here, and if you have something to say, say it. They can sit there saying nothing for the hour, and there it is. Okay, we're finished. Pay your 300 bucks or whatever. Okay? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's kind of weird. But because there was a lot of failure, he, he, he postulated and said, in his mind, and what he's found is, there is this frequency that's arrows, the love of life. And, but there's also a an opposing frequency, which he called thanatos, which is uh, a love of death. And if the love of death is stronger than the love of life, then there's nothing that can be done, etc. So it's pretty primitive, as you know, a concept. But I, I mean, you know, it's like. For me, there's so much that is unknown that you can't say, this is what it is. Right. If someone isn't getting better, it's because of something I don't know. No, mm-hmm. it's because of something I know that I can't prove or I just am calling it that. It's, it's, it's silly. But in that inner circle in Vienna, um, there were a whole bunch of shrinks, and they were all disagreeing with Freud differently one way or another. And one of them is Wilhelm Reich, R-E-I-C-H. And he wrote, and I, I happen to like Reich's work enormously. I've always been very attracted to it. He said, there is no such thing as a, a love of death. He said, but there is a fear of life. Mm-hmm. And the second I read that, for me, it resonated as being true. Right. And I think that is the case indeed. 
And now the more in my work, the further I go, the more I find diseases fundamentally entrenched in emotion. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've long since even, I've, I've, I've stopped even thinking about separating emotion and physicality and disease. They come together. Right. So that that brings to mind that idea of what Freud had said: the love, of, you know, love of the death wish. That's what he called it. So that's that's what I said. Now, what, what were you thinking about that? I was just asking if you'd had any, if you'd had a chance to put any time into focusing on that. You were gonna, you were gonna spend. You said you're gonna try to spend some time in the next week working on that. In regard to no, I still have that in my list, but I just never have been able to get to it. Okay. Because I've just had I have, I have a whole bunch of um, inquiries and special requests and all that, and you know, just haven't gotten there yet. Time goes. Okay. All right. Well, in this again, when I was tripping through some uh, some history here, looking for a couple things, um, this is going back to. February of 2013, there were like two two talk show episodes that you discussed this, and I don't know that we've gone back to it since then. Um, but you you were taught you you introduced us to the concept. Um, well, I'll just read what the first time you mentioned it. Um, my notes say it doesn't matter what you had hereditarily or ancestrally; it's about your soul, and that you both can and must heal everything. This led Stephen to questions and further research in the area of one's dominant constitutional imbalance, which we call the DCI, and their dominant constitutional emotional imbalance, which we call the DCEI. If one shows nothing left hereditarily, are these constitutional issues also healed? Is this another key to helping everyone achieve energetic virginity? Um, And then the next time we brought it up, um, no, I guess that was that was mostly it. The next, I'm looking at the following, the 24th, the 14th. Did we bring it up again? No, but that is that something. I guess we did. You did talk about it. I think you said you, you used as one example um, control issue, which you said probably 92 percent of the of the population has some some degree of issue with that. But is that I, I thought of that in relation to what you talked about last week with this enhancing frequencies and, and how 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 tied together physicality things and emotions are. Could this constitutional emotional imbalance issue is this is this another way of saying what you're focusing on, or do you think this is? Um, I don't know, and that's after thinking about it quite a bit. Mm-hmm. There is a huge, huge area of problems that can and probably does or do exist in the area of unresolved emotions. Mm -hmm. Um, We can speak of them in terms of, well, you've heard me speak of unresolved bitterness creating Mm -hmm. cancer and on Mm -hmm. and on. Right. But when these things are gone, if there's still an unresolved emotion, I'm convinced it's going to manifest uh, 
as some kind of negative physical state. But I can't speak about exactly what it is. I do think it has something to do with parasites. Now, I understand you can't have a parasite without encountering a parasite. But the question here becomes, if you encounter it, is there something that makes you unable to overcome it? Or is it something that, you see what I mean? Right. Um, and is the, is, And if that's the case, is what makes it something you can't overcome something that is the physical manifestation of an emotional imbalance? Right. Uh, you know, look, I could talk to you all day about directions my weird head goes in. Because <laughs> I think about these things. Right. Um, but I just think about them and don't go any further than that, usually, until I get to it, and then when I get to it, that, that, that's it. You know, this has to be, I'm fitting things in. But uh, I think, ultimately, we are going to be dealing with imbalances that are physical slash emotional and the manifestation of these things. And uh, if there's an unresolved emotion, there is some physical manifestation of it. And if there isn't, there will be. Mm-hmm. I think that is inevitable. Um, I think all this is coming to pass. I think we're in the middle of it all. And it isn't being seen, except that the numbers of things out there are changing dramatically. The number of cancer cases, the number of all these things are changing dramatically from what they always have been. And, you know, it's kind of an axiom that when you do something that's destructive, for a while, usually you, you, you can compensate for it. Your body can handle it. But then there's a point that we can only call you as you cross the line. And that's when nothing's free anymore. And you're paying for it. Um, I think that's a great deal of what we're seeing right now. And we're seeing it at a macro, a macroscopic level. It's the planet is bringing things to pass with human beings because of things people are doing to the planet. And because of things people are doing to themselves. I mean, you know, it isn't easy. Look, put it this way. You get a kid who 200 years ago in childbirth would have died, or perhaps would have died by the time he was two or three years old. Very common phenomenon. Survival of the fittest is the fundamental law of nature. That's it. Everything comes after that. Now, because of what we call advances in, in medical science, these people who would have died right away or the first day or the first week, they're alive. But they have, they're very flawed. But 
because of the miracle of medical science, they keep taking medication, and they're okay, and they become adults, young adults, and they mate and marry and give birth to people with these same flaws. It shouldn't be here because the parents shouldn't be here. So there's your scenario. Now, if you allow this to happen, you are weakening the race. And you are subverting survival of the fittest. Correct? Right. But if you don't allow it to happen, mm-hmm. you say, no, this child is not healthy enough to, to meet our standards and let the child transition. You are doing something for the human race that will have an impact for God knows how many years. But on the other hand, you're going to have a lot of people calling you a monster. I mean, what's your answer? What do you think? There is no right answer. I can just say, well, there it is. No, and I and I, you know, don't want to get into any political conversations here. But but I I understand what you're saying. I mean, I know I was just read uh, about a a gal, um, and I don't know when this was, but who death was pregnant and desperately wanted to keep the child. But and I forget what the issue was. But the child basically um, something was eating away at at the brain, and and she had to make you know had to make the choice whether to whether to keep the 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 child or not and it's got to be an excruciating choice but at the same time what kind of life would that child have had exactly I remember something mm-hmm. they, they didn't have they haven't had hospitals for for that long right i don't in a place where you can put someone with a bed i mean hospitals with all kinds of unusual medications mm-hmm that's a fairly recent phenomenon. And you still come down to that ancient question. If we do this, what does that do to us generally? Mm-hmm. So whatever you say, you can be sure you're going to have people standing up and yelling and calling you one name or another. Mm-hmm. Inevitably. And uh, I think we're going to hear and deal with more of this in the future also. I think, once again, that is an inevitability. Mm-hmm. Well, Stephen, to, to go back real quick to this dominant uh, constitutional imbalance issue, I just I just scrolled down a little bit on my notes. for, And again, this is going back to February 2013. Um, but apparently, that was at a time, a point in time, where uh, a couple of us were, at the time, we were showing to have nothing left hereditarily. And, and what you found in a, in a couple people that you checked was that it appeared that their dominant constitutional imbalance um, w- was gone, but the, but the, the dominant emotional imbalance was still present. No answers as to why that was, but the question at the time was, um, is there anything that can be added to help them and anybody else who may have the same kind of dominant emotional imbalance 
heal? Well, the simplest answer is is most often, um, it, it's, it's, it, you know, it's Occam's razor. The simplest answer is usually, you know, uh, the most reasonable and the correct answer. I mean, look, you had nothing left for a long time. Now, wait, I, wait, wait a minute, what's wrong with your eyes? We found an imbalance <laughs> in your eyes hereditarily. You found two, actually, <laughs> at the same time. Okay, the same thing. Mm-hmm. Okay, and now I'll have to look at you in this light and look at, at your emotional imbalance and see if there's anything left. Mm-hmm. But I'm inclined to say if you are less than, um, if there's a flaw remaining in you, in one, there's something that I have not found. And how long did it take before I found this in you? Well, you found those two frequencies last, I think it was last September, September 2014. Right. How long had you been told that you were, like, perfect before that? Oh, a couple couple years. There you have it. Mm-hmm. Um, but so. it's, it's just, can I just throw this in, though? Because you just yeah, said you know, it's some, that, that it's something in someone that I have not found. But getting back to the emotional aspect of it, Stephen, isn't it something that I have a lot to do with you not finding? Because it's still something that I haven't resolved. And your job is to help me, not to do it all. No, my job is to identify it and put it on a program which you access, and that enables you with far more alacrity and, and efficacity to heal whatever it is. Uh, you do the healing, mm-hmm. but I am the help. Right. And that's my job. That's my work. It's what I do. And... I know now where I went wrong with you. And I won't make that mistake again. But the question still is there, uh, what other mistakes are there? Mm-hmm. How much am I missing? I'm not missing anything I know of, but what the hell does that say? <laughs> if I knew about it, I wouldn't miss it. <laughs> yeah, then again... We don't know anybody that's more persistent than you are, Stephen. So there's that. Oh, yeah, no, no, I am persistent. There mm-hmm. is no question I am persistent. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, yep. And I guess that helps a lot. I mean, you know, I know it helps a lot. However, uh, I'm also impatient. <laughs> well... You got a lot of company with that aspect of life, I'm sure, Stephen. Well, and what? Just one last thing to mention here, since you brought up the uh, emotion of embitterness, and you've you've told that story uh, many times about uh, associating that with the the uh, frequency of hereditary cancer. But in, in looking back over the the list over the years of the of the many many malignancy frequencies that you've identified, things that aren't you know necessarily anything known in the in the uh, outside of your work, um, sometimes the dominant uh, etiological emotional imbalance is embitteredness, but not always. And again, these are all we have access to are, is what what appears to be um, 
what an imbalance appears to be in the individual in whom you find it. But it's it's often in bitterness, but it's not always in bitterness. Does that have any significance at all? Well, no, the bitterness is what we associate almost always with cancer. Mm-hmm. But there are many other conditions. Oh, okay. And um, they may have embitters, but they, have, they usually have uh, other emotions also. Okay. It, it's that simple. Okay. So, uh, but by definition, Judy, whatever I give you is incomplete because I'm still working at it. Mm-hmm. Well, we're all still working on stuff, too, so there you go. We just right. appreciate We appreciate the 24-7 support and, and all the effort you put in, Stephen, to make this program as comprehensive as possible. It's pretty mind-boggling, really. So thank uh, you. It's getting there. Mm-hmm. It's getting there, and I think we're we're getting closer and closer. Well, and again, thank you for all that you do, and thank you for doing these calls every week to keep people uh, informed. You know, we've said it before. I don't know that many people that willingly admit they don't have all the answers. You do, but you keep finding some really cool questions. <laughs> <laughs> And we and you know it's it's great. As much as your mind works, you kind of keep in our mind active too. So so that's always a good thing. Well, it's easy to find questions. Finding answers yep. is really worth more. <laughs> well, regardless, well, it's time to wrap things up. But again, I just wanna I wanna thank you, Eileen, everybody at EMC Squared for for everything that you do every day. Really appreciate all of you. Okay. Well, look, have a great weekend, everybody, and okay. I'll talk to you on Tuesday. You bet. All right, everybody. Have a good Thursday and enjoy your weekend, and we will see you next week. Be sure in the interim, if you've got some time, spend some time on your facilitator's website. There's probably a call or or maybe it's not a recent article, but some article there that will be of help to you. We've got uh, recent conference calls, and you can always look through our testimonials section, too. We have a, a massive search function there. So um, if you've got people asking about the AIM program, that may be a resource that's of help to them. And lastly, read your newsletters. Just look through them every Friday. They'll be coming out like clockwork tomorrow morning, thanks to the office. Again, we'll see you next week. Thanks for being with us. Bye-bye.